Hi, I'm Allison Arndrum, and this is the Allison Arndrum Show. Okay, some of you may remember me as Evil Nellie Olson from Little House in the Prairie. Tonight, I'm Allison Arndrum, and here on the Allison Arndrum Show, we talk about things that make you feel good. The TV shows and the movies that made us feel good and the people who made them and people who are doing things now to make the world a better and more interesting place. Oh! do i have one tonight and you know you know i always get like really excited when i get to interview somebody i actually know who i'm actually friends with and interesting place just didn't even describe what this guy so there's this guy and some of you who know me have heard about him remember when i went to play p-town i went to play p-town there's this guy named ryan landry he's known and you know him in p-town and in boston all over you probably have seen i'm gonna go up i'm gonna go up wait wait there it is it Betty Davis, Betty Davis, Betty Davis. Yeah, he he made that. He made that. He um paints as well. As everything from drag queen to rock and roll to producer to writer to star to performer to graphic artist to painter. Okay, he kind of does everything. He's John Waters, Andy Warhol, and Leonardo da Vinci in drag. Just just try to that's the closest thing I can come up with. The guy's a genius. He's out of his mind. I love him. You will love him. Ryan Landry. <laughs> Yay! Hi, everyone. I know I'm so lucky right now, but I did a lot of drugs last night. And his Elvis shirt, picking his teeth in front of a starfish. Yes, hi, this is Ryan Landry. This is it. But this is where you create. I have seen you on this bed with the, the, the uh, tape. I know. Well, this is where I paper. write all my plays. I write all my plays and I do all my graphic stuff here and uh, write songs here. Everything. You do. Okay. I met you in P Town. I came to do my show, come to comedy P Town, and they said, "Well, you're going to be this guy, Ryan Landry." And um, right now, he's producing. So that was the year you did the Birds. It was a, uh, a takeoff of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, and he's doing the Birds, and you'll meet him. And it was like talk about down the rabbit hole. It. Was, <laughs> I met you, and I saw that show an all drag version of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And my mind was blown. And I saw everything. I've been to see Space Pussy and I've been to see everything. And now I'm like, and I have one of your paintings. Um, you To even explain what you do, do we call you a producer? Do we call you an actor? Do we call you a drag queen? Do we call you a rock star? What do we even call you? Oh, you can call me anything. You, I, really, I mean, people have been calling me all sorts of things for, for decades. I, I don't know. You know, I guess it's just the thing where it's like, I always think that creation is the only way that saves you from um, really thinking about our existence on this earth, on this planet and what our what our purpose is. And so I just always wanted to have a purpose. And so I didn't want to limit my purpose to painting or writing or singing or whatever. So I just decided that I would try everything. Now, it's so funny because I've done all these things in theater and the painting and all that nonsense that we've, that we've already discussed. But the thing is, I have not run into a lot of people who do film, which is so weird. I know a million musicians, I know, but not a lot of film people. And um, of course, I don't live in Los Angeles, but I've always wanted to do an adult puppet show. Um, and I have it written and everything, but I just don't know any like film people. It's so weird. And it's always seems like what really will light a fire under my ass is if I know someone and say, hey, like Fred, Fred, when are we going to do this film? And, you know, but if I don't see them, then I just go, hey, who wants to buy this painting? Or, hey, let's get together for a rehearsal for the band. You know what I mean? So I just sort of like float around and just whatever is in front of me, I try to work on it. That's all. Which you, you oddly seem organized by the end result because, oh, my God, you do so much. Yeah, so you mentioned the puppets, and I was reading that in your first drag shows, when you first started out, and, and by the way, accord, according to his bio, he started doing drag because there was a $100 prize every week, and he figured he'd just win every week and live off and that. I and I did. And you did. <laughs> but that's not, because, that's not because I ever looked like a woman in the least. I mean... That's I why I shave my legs, Allison. I don't shave my legs. I mean, if the face isn't fool, fooling them, why bother with the legs? Yeah, so, and I've seen you. That no, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. You look like yeah. you. 
<laughs> yeah, look like me. So, so, but the reason I was winning was because, say, I would do like Destination Moon by Dinah Washington. I don't know if you know this tune, but it's absolutely fantastic. You will love Dinah Washington, everything about her. Anyway, she does this story about going to the moon. So I would build a giant cardboard rocket and I would rig it to the ceiling. And then I would have a picture of me slapped into the rocket because I couldn't go in a cardboard rocket to the ceiling. And then I would just pull it up. So I was like, I was going to the moon and then the moon would come out or, you know, things like that. So I would build all this stuff out of cardboard. I had no money. I would just paint it with poster paint. Because I, I think I see things cinematically, and I think most people do uh, today. I think uh, the way people thought when it was nothing but books is very different than our thoughts today. Now, of course, now I think everything, everyone, everybody's thinking digitally or whatever that means, you know. But back then, I wanted to make it like a movie. And when I do my plays quite often, um, I do miniatures meaning i use barbie dolls as the actors i dress them in their exact outfits and i put them in if it's like gone with the wind and tara is burning like i saw i've gone so far as to actually light things on fire but i don't really do that anymore uh, uh, according I, to your bio yeah. you were thrown out of one establishment you've been performing because you the pyrotechnics yeah. got you, you set the because place I on set the pyramid on fire. fire but the reason i did that was because i was jumping through a flaming hoop that night and because, the, of course always hung my flaming hoops up by a wire coat hanger because the pyramid which was a legendary club in new york had a very low ceiling and it had a little sort of like metal thing that was up at the ceiling which was holding the falls garbage ceiling up and so i could take my little um uh coat hanger and put it up there and then the hoop would hang off that and then i would douse it in lighter fluid and then i would light it and then i would dress up well i would was already dressed up as the flying nun and then i would fly <laughs> through it and I would dive into the crowd and the people would carry me all the way to this to uh avenue a and that became this tradition thing but this one night that i was setting the hoop up i hung it from the ceiling i didn't have a wire coat hanger so i used twine now why uh, i would yeah. is because no. i was so hung over from the night before and i wasn't thinking well of course the when the hoop went on fire it burned through the twine the hoop bounced off the stage it landed in the crowd it lit this girl's dress on fire everyone started screaming out uh they they brought out the fire extinguishers everyone was choking we all got out to avenue way but uh after the cleared out we finished the show but no more fire hoops after that yeah. And you know, people tuning in going, wise man in an Elvis shirt talking about being the flying nun, leaping through flying hoop. He is not making this up. This is not some weird therapy. This he actually this is a typical thing for him. Well you had to um, have a gimmick back then. You had yeah, to have a gimmick. And if you don't not, look if you don't look feminine, you gotta do something. I saw when I saw the birds, you had an all drag version of the birds, and indeed the beautiful Which was suit called the gulls. The gulls, the gulls, and it with there's the tippy headron suit and everything, but like birds stuck on it and the, the puppet birds. You have an endless puppet racks of puppet can crows. We, can we talk a little bit about those bird attacks? Because I really do want your viewers to uh to I want to explain it to them. We'll never do the show again because it was so expensive to do, but it was great. All right. So everyone, you all remember when the birds come out of the fireplace in the birds. You remember this? They're all in the cottage. They're all scared. And then a thousand birds come out and they attack them all right from the fireplace. So we, I said, we have to have this fucking attack. This has to happen. So I was like, how are we going to do it? So here's exactly how we did it. We had the set was a fake fireplace, of course, with a mantle picture above it. Behind it, there wasn't much room. But you know those things that you put in front of the fireplace that sort of hold the logs? You know, they're called... Um, and irons and, and, iron. and they go forward like this okay so and then and then sometimes in some fireplaces they'll have a metal piece that goes between the end irons that keeps the logs from rolling out onto the carpet and killing everyone these are usually in, in victorian, victorian fireplaces so anyway i built that and the reason i had that thing blocking between the and irons was because what i had done is i had sewed an actual thousand birds they were the plastic kind, the ones kinds that don't weigh anything, the kind you get at Christmas time, but they weren't the white ones. They were actually little like sparrows. They were beautiful, such beautiful birds. And so I sewed them all into a fishing net and I rolled the fishing net up. Okay. So this thousand birds is rolled into a fishing net behind the anirons. When 
the sound went like that. Then two tech people pulled the strings really fast. And what happened was if you're looking at the fireplace like that, the roll, the rolled thing was pulled to the ceiling like that. So it went, so it created this thing. So then that wouldn't have been impressive if you pulled it tight because all you're going to see is a thousand birds in a fishing net. But if you use a strobe light with it, where they can't catch the netting of the fishing netting, and you have the 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 actors underneath the attack, meaning above their heads, hitting the net with the birds on it. At the same time with a strobe light, I fucking guarantee you it will look exactly like the movie. And I wish I could show you kids footage of this because it's one of my proudest moments. But there was a, I'll tell you That's one more bird attack, one more bird attack. So, uh, well, we had the ones that were on pulley systems that flew down from the ceiling and went from the back of the house. Those were easy. And the tele the, the phone booth attack was pretty easy. That was with the pulleys. But there was one attack that was actually so simple, but it turned out so beautiful. It was when she goes up into the attic and she's looking around with a flashlight and she hits a light that's above her head and the light swings like this. So the lighting becomes very Hitchcockian. Is that a word, Hitchcockian? Uh, and so the light's going like that. And the birds start coming through the walls and attacking her. So she's trapped in this sort of U-shaped, uh, like it's a closet or something in the attic, you know. But the light going like this, right? And the birds coming through garbage bags with slits in them. Easiest thing in the world. Garbage bags looks like a black wall. If you light it right, don't, you, you can't have glare on it. And then you have slits. And those fucking birds coming through there and attacking her. And people were screaming. One woman was like sobbing. She was like. She got so worked up over it. Oh, I want to tell you one other story, too, because there's so many orphan stories to tell you. Okay, so we were doing Dragula one time, right? Now, I have and to say, orphans. He said orphans because your group of, yeah. of very pranksters, as it were, the 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 people like John Waters have this little group. This this yeah. group you have, they're called the, the Gold Dust Orphans. Yes. That's which is right. just the, the, the greatest name. And it was really weird because when I met you and I found out it's called the Gold Dust Orphans, I went like, because right. my father left the farm at like 14 to go become an actor and theater producer. And he went to Vancouver, became a successful theater producer. And he and his friend Stuart were referred to as the Gold Dust Twins. And they were both orphans who had been in foster care. And it's like, wait, you the gold dust <laughs> Did yeah. you know that the gold dust twins actually existed? But they were two black kids and, the, and gold dust was a soap powder and the gold dust twins were their mascots. And so you were literally the only person I know who would like know this. I know this, yeah, because you know this, everyone you know always gives me stuff from gold dust soap powder that would have you know and it was very it's it's a racial thing so uh you know it's not so, it's not something i'd like hang up on the wall but i do know who they are because the gold dust twin so okay so the other bird story because then i have one more thing about to say about the birds because that was it was so impressive okay so yet another bird thing okay oh no this is not a bird thing this is when i'm just telling you different things i'm hopping around because there's 80 plays in musicals so there's one called dragula and so it was in an old movie theater and off one side where there used to be the box seats in this in this movie theater it was just a platform. So I built a miniature Transylvania and I mean like I really fucking went all out. I mean buildings, trees, you know like if someone's really into their toy trains they build a real thing. Well this could be seen by everyone in the audience so it was really great. It was sort of like this little miniature stage. So I put a nice big healthy um, toy train up there. And I was like, and you know, when Jonathan Harkin, Harker is saying in the thing, I went to Transylvania on a train that evening to see Count Black, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. You, it's in every Dracula story that, that, that's true, the Bram Stoker thing, it's in everyone. So I had to have a train. I had to have a train because that during that monologue of like, I didn't know what I was getting into, you know, to say. I could show, I could put the spotlight on the train and it would sort of be cinematic and it would look, Hitchcock did this all the time with like, the lady vanishes <clears throat> and stuff like that. And even in 39 steps, he's using miniature sets when he's panning sometimes. Anyway, there's trains going and this, and the audience is loving the show, but the fucking train went off the track and 
the place was packed. So sitting right below this thing was this lady. And first the locomotive hits her, then the next car hits her, and the next, and she's just can't and she's freaked out, and but she's laughing, but she's in pain and she's bleeding, and the cars keep landing on her. She didn't sue, thank God. I was going to say, ah! yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, another one. Okay, so you know the exorcist? Right. Okay, so we had to make the little girl levitate, but we didn't know how to do it. So I had a hydraulic lift because someone gave me a hydraulic lift. Because you just happened to, of course, have a hydraulic lift. Yeah, because they moved to London and they weren't going to use it anymore, and they were using it in their drag act. So I used it. So I built it into the stage inside, so underneath the floor. So now, which theater is this? Is this in P-Town or Boston? This in no, P-Town? this is the machine. This is oh, in, the machine this is in Boston. This is that yeah. machine in Boston, the club. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. So she's the girl's laid out, okay? She's actually 10 years old, and she's laid out. So if you're the audience, she's laid out like this, so you can see her like a side view of her. And it's a good night, mommy, and all that other thing. We, I, I'm the, I played the Ellen Burstyn role, the mother, so I put the blanket on her. And she, you know, she had been having these uh, devil spells before, and I was it was finally a calm night, and I thought I could chill. So I walked out of the room. So then she, she began to ha- to the exorcist, the exorcist, what's it word? The the possession started taking over, and so. But what we did was the 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 hydraulic lift was built in the back sorry back behind the front wall here she's laying down the blanket's on top of her the blanket is covering a board that is part of the bed so when it goes up the blanket's covering any apparatus here like so, almost a standard magic act like almost but one how of those do you, yeah, yeah but how do you get her up there without touching her you know like like how the like how does she float up right so she, the, the hydraulic lift had like a fork thing on it that i did and what i did was i made her bedroom walls black and pink stripes because the black stripes were not actually stripes they were rubber um things that you'd use for a screen door to make sure the the water doesn't come in and so the 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 lifts were in were hidden in that they never fucking understood how it happened they were all screaming so yeah so these are the things i'm most proud of with the orphans are uh like okay your initial like i mean you were literally being raised by your aunt and uncle in a what was a house but a converted chicken coop literally right. as a child okay. so it was a so it was a chicken coop when it was first it was and then these these chicken farmers must have got some big loan or they must have got something because they decided to build a giant chicken coop so they went across the street into this farmland because it was like in farm it was durham connecticut which is very you know farmy and very country um rural and so they went over across the street and they built this giant warehouse, like almost as big as my high school chicken coop, right? And so their old chicken coop, they decided they would make it so people could live in it. And the rent wasn't expensive. So my parents moved into this converted chicken coop and they really didn't have, I mean, it had water and stuff, but it, you know, it just, it was not fancy at all, as you can imagine. But I grew up during those early years, constantly listening to chickens all the time. And I'm not talking like, 10 chickens down on the farm i'm talking like thousands and thousands and thousands of chickens squawking and screeching at all times Which oh my god and for a child's development just charming and then you went off to the streets of new york and then you entered a drag contest for the money and then you somehow created this entire group of people, this thing, the gold is over, and this whole theater community. And it's, it's yeah. very similar to like John Waters and Divine, their weird little group. And yeah. you started this group. But now it's become a thing. It is an institution in Boston and in P-Town of these shows that you do. And when people first see it and they see all the crazed makeup and the dresses and the bizarre and the birds slamming into things and trains hitting people in the head, they're like, ha, ha, ha. But I was there during a rehearsal of The Gulls. And I had, like I said, I had just met you. And and your reputation was such in P-Town that um, you picked me up on a bicycle. I remember you picked me up on a bicycle to go to the club. I said, a dress. You're like, get on. And when I said I was staying at your house, I had people say, are you okay? Can we get you a hotel room? They were uh, afraid of uh, you. They're like, why are you staying at his house? I'm like, what? Well, sometimes it's best to keep them that way. 
<laughs> better sometimes to have these people figure. But I go to this rehearsal of the girls and I'm going, okay, is this man mad? Is he a genius? He seems nice enough, but he does seem really strange. And look at all these weird things that are happening. And then I'm watching the rehearsal and it's like the dress, like right before opening. And then you stopped them all and you sat there and sat them all down and told the actors, you said, now, I want you to play it essentially straight. And they went, what? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're already in a dress. You're already in insane makeup. You're already in insane costumes. The thing's already crazy. You don't really need to do that much. He said, the show, the reason the birds, the movie works, and this works is people were afraid. They were genuinely afraid. It had to do with science leaping ahead and people not understanding what was oh, happening. Oh, God, yeah, it's all about, yeah. Like this whole apocalyptic fear of what is going to happen oh, yeah. to us. And go with that go, go with that you are really legitimately afraid and this is all really happening he says because you're already wearing a wig and a dress and the shoes and the thing and the crazy makeup all over your face you don't need to like go oh look they'll get it i want you to play this straight like you're really in the movie and you're really afraid for your lives and i was like oh my god the guy's a freaking genius this is insane and they did and and it it was the most mad show i'd ever seen well that's uh you know i mean i try to tell them that a lot Sometimes I get these people who um, who think they're funnier than I am, which is unfortunate. And they impossible. Don't <laughs> <laughs> they don't last long. No, um, no, I don't mean that. I mean, like, when they try, you know, the Orphans as a group, uh, of which I consider myself a member, I don't really consider myself the leader, although I do have to do that job only because it wouldn't get done otherwise. But there's some really genius people in the group that have passed on, that have gotten married, have children. So many of the orphans have gotten married and have children, a couple of them to each other. I mean, it's a really uh, some deep roots of what we've done over the years. And, you know, I mean, I've won some awards. I've, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of what I've done. I do think, though, I want to move into this filming stuff. And I'll tell you why. Because like all those plays, Allison, they're gone. You know, I could do them again, but oh my God, I don't think I'd have the energy to do what I used to do, you know? Um, but with filming and stuff, it, it, I'm sure many of your viewers, you know, uh, love TV, they love movies, they love all these things. So they understand that those things last so much longer. You know, today, every drag queen's trying to get on RuPaul's Drag Race, which I guess would be a smart idea if I was 20 years old because getting on TV, that's what means something now. But back then... We actually believed in things like it could be anything. It could be a television commercial or it could be a major opera. But if it really touched us, we really were into it. It wasn't about the fame. It was about how genius this dumb Campbell Soup commercial was or how genius, you know, uh, Mary Tyler Moore was or I don't know. I'm just or Casper. You know, how, how some things stick with you. Some things, right? are, uh, they don't have to be Bernard Shaw to be absolutely brilliant. They could, it, it brilliance, I think, has to do with do you touch people's souls, minds, or their feelings that they're, are, that they're okay in the world because they understand this thing. Well, I this love the, the, the quote where you talked about that you didn't want to just do the boring drag. You wouldn't just want to be, oh, yeah, everybody's Diana Ross, everybody's Barbara Streisand. We wanted to dress like Queen Elizabeth and have her reciting cookie recipes while sitting on the toilet. That yeah. it was to go outside of the normal, here I am being yeah, pretty yeah. too. What can I do that's weird that turns things upside down and inside out and strange? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we were weird and strange and there was a lot of acid and mushrooms going on. So <laughs> there was some abstract was thinking happening. But when I say I'm hungover from last night today, which I am, it's only edible like brownies and stuff, though. I got to tell you, whatever they're putting in that shit, I got to I got to cut back. <laughs> this is an advertisement for C2O water. Absolutely <laughs> great coconut water. Taste toasted. And now, and now, and then, perfect things you keep your now the painting. Now, were you painting back before, or did that only ha start during the pandemic in 2020? When did the painting start? Oh, um, well, I, you know, what I did not get along with my parents, they did not get me when I was growing up. The, my aunt and uncle who raised me, I didn't really, we weren't, we didn't, I was somewhere else. But they were wrong in the country when thing with chickens. I mean, how would no, of course, they one didn't. thing, 
that I did that they were proud of me for was I could draw. So my parent, my mother worked in a factory almost all her life. She didn't, un she would never understand the, even the concept of art. I mean, she might put something up on the wall if it's like an old barn because she saw it at Kmart, but she wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be like a critique of art and what do you feel? It's like, it's a barn. But she would bring home these pictures of like Santa Claus, like fucking elves at Christmas time and go, can you draw this? And it, was, it wasn't weirdness. She just didn't see the difference between that and Mondigliani. <laughs> she didn't, she didn't see the difference. She didn't see the difference, right? I mean, it was she didn't see the sexual. I mean, I think my father started talking to me about sex when I was like six or seven years old, and uh, and but it was never. It was just they were just from the backwoods. I mean, people. My aunt got married at twelve. I mean, like the, the, I'm talking my great aunt, like you know, much older. But uh, it was Maine. They were. We, I came from white trash and. The, Friggin' woods of Maine. They they what they what do they do for a living? They cut down logs, and logs were hauled out by horses and then trucks, and you know, so they were no bullshit, and you know, and no frills. Anyway, when I would do these exactly as she had brought home to me, she would run back to the factory the next day, and she would show. Look what my son did. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. She was so proud that I was drawing pictures of Santa Claus butt fucking elves. But this was what was being handed around the factory as a joke. And she thought, oh, this is a drawing. That he can do it. <laughs> that he can draw that. So it's a little bizarre, you know, my upbringing. Oh, I knew they loved me, but it was just a very odd thing. But you that's know? adorable. We all that's have our adorable that they, they like this. Because I say my father grew, was on a farm with the, the pigs and the chickens and the cows and everything. He went, yeah, this is really great. I'm, I'm going to go. And they were they, they drove him to the train station. They were like, oh, yeah, no, no, he's going, going off to the theater. Okay, fine. Right, they're cool. He puts on shows in the barn. I guess I guess that's what he does. But yeah, he would have been milking cows. And he's like, he's now in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Now I have um, Betty Davis is up on the wall here behind me going all right there you can see her um you made that so this painting thing that's happening that was you were stuck in the house like i was oh i see okay, okay you asked the me painting, how painting. i started that well, yeah I, this, this oh, is amazing I, because my mother was proud of me so sorry, I which is adorable i wanted to do more of it as i got older so then i went from drawing to painting and stuff like that and i actually started hooking for a while and I saved some money and I went to school of visual arts, but you know, hooking's weird because you know, you never really can tell like if business is going to stay up or down, whatever. And <laughs> I had a lag and I had to quit school, but then I got involved with theater because I met Charles Ludlam, who was a great, great playwright. Oh, no, right. So I became part of his theater company just before he died. And then he died. I was there with them for a couple of years. And then I said, fuck this. I, I, I'm not going to get cast in anything. I'm too weird. I'm too gay. I'm too clowny. I said, the only way I'm I'm going to have theater in my life is if I write the shows myself, because no one's going to write it for me. And I'm not going to go, hey, I'd like to be in Oklahoma, you know, because <laughs> you know, they're never going to uh, hire me. So I just wrote my own stuff and it started very small and then it just grew. And I mean, now it's like thousands of people for shows. I mean, not per night, but Overall, like 5,000 people come to see the Christmas show. I think that's pretty good. Don't you? I do. And then you have showgirls every Monday, which is like a panel panel show or something. How, what, how do you define showgirls? I mean, it's like a contest and it's like a talk show. It's basically me visiting my parents again. The madness of my upbringing. I try to keep showgirls as mad as possible. So I sat on that stage for you. It's every Monday and you have drag, but then you have 30 people years guests. Now, yes, 30 years. But you can do anything. You can do anything except for this one queen who came out and put laid um uh newspapers on the stage and proceeded to piss on them. That I had kicked her kicked her ass to the curb. But uh, cuz I don't want that. Though. I don't yeah. care about being the wiener or anything like that, but I just don't want anyone getting splashed. So she had to go. But for the most part, people can do anything they want. Oh, I'll tell you a great story. And I'm glad this is an adult show because um, there was this queen and he came with his boyfriend one time 
and said, hey, we'd like to sign up for Showgirls. Now, both of them were pretty handsome, but the blonde Allison was fucking out of this world. I mean, so gorgeous. I could not believe it. I wanted them to enter just so I could stare at this queen for three minutes. That's how gorgeous he was. But they were, you know, fully fine. I said, okay, what do you do? They said, we do a jump rope back. And I said, oh, brother, this isn't going to last three minutes. They're going to get so bored. But they were so nice. So they come. They uh, enter. It's their turn to go up. I introduce them. It's the jump rope twins or whatever. They come out. The blonde strips completely naked. So does the dark haired guy. He's got like this mustache. He's obviously the top. He pulls out a jump rope out of the bag, takes one handle of the jump rope, sticks it up the blonde's ass, and starts doing jump rope tricks. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really? I said, of course. Yeah. And then takes a jump rope with a dildo on one end, flips the guy around on top of a desk, spreads, does the dildo, and does jump rope tricks with that. While the blonde's looking at the audience like this. Oh, like, like, like. Like I it's the freaking Miss America talent I portion or something. Like it's, it's we do this yeah. all the time. Yeah. So it was, and I, I was just like, I mean, you know, obviously I lost my taste for the blonde after that, but I still was pretty gorgeous. Anyway, the guy's done the done the act two or three times since then. That was twenty years oh, ago. Lord, did they ever win? Did they win? Did they third third prize? Something they won. They won. They won. How could you not win? I mean, don't get any ideas, young lady. No, no, no. I, they, they will be safe. They will not have competition for me. I can assure you this is not an arena. I will attack. Good God. But I got showgirls. You get a panel. You have celebrity guests sitting on the stage discussing this thing. And then these people come up and they do their, their couple of minutes. And there's a prize. There's prizes. But yeah. it, it turns into almost like this, like you said, like this visiting, like the visiting with the family talk show. It's so bizarre. Yeah, so what I meant by that was sort of like, so there was this one queen in town, he's very nice, but she threw this some big fucking fit because she didn't go on at the time she thought she was going to go on. And I had to go back there and lay her out in lavender and be like, this is showgirls. Don't tell me that you need more communication. When I call your name, get out there. You know what I mean? As compared to this like this micromanaging of every moment, I keep it as loose as possible. I'm like, all right, next, next. And then the audience likes them or doesn't like them. And hopefully they like them and then they win the money. And if they're like last night, two people had to split it because they were both great. So you never know. Oh, but um, you know who Roddy Bottom is from Faith No More? You know that band Faith No More? Yes. Yeah, they, he was uh, in the show last night. <laughs> he didn't enter though. Oh, he didn't enter. Okay. And then you have Space Pussy where you actually have a rock band and you sing. Yeah. That's just space pussy is real. See, the space pussy is just like showgirls in the sense I try to get everyone together. And what I do is I go around town and I meet people. I know so many people here. And I'm like, okay, this dyke's pretty popular. People, a lot of people like her. So I'm going to ask her to sing because she may not be the greatest singer, but she's likable. And I know that a lot of friends are going to come and see her. So you know what I mean? And then I go. This straight guy over here is nice enough and he never gets, you know, weird with the gays and he's always sweet. And I think I'll ask him because he's got a lot of girls like hanging around him. You know what I mean? I, so I saw you on Halloween. Gordon Gaynell from the Violent Femmes was there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's played with us a couple of times. He plays that electric. He has this new violin that's electric. Yeah, yeah. he plays. And he's sung songs. Unbelievable. So it's you fun. do it's, all of these things are happening at once, and then so with the pandemic hit, and you started going full speed ahead for the okay, painting. The pandemic hit. I'm I'm start, I'm start. Yeah, I couldn't do theater anymore because the pandemic. I, I mean, I was doing shows out of my living room online. It was ridiculous. We couldn't do anything. I couldn't go anywhere. All oh, right, what can you do? So that's what I did. Are you back to doing shows? What's going on with you? I want to hear more about you. I am. I am. I'm going to be in New York. I'm at the Lori Beachman, and then a thing in Rochester end of September, and then I go to France again. Are you working with Chip Duckett? Yeah. At Lori at Lori Beachman. I haven't been there in a while. I have to go over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you come on over. I'll be in town. But so you you started these paintings, but like it's not just like painting, like it's amazing. Like the Betty Davis, I mean, this is incredible stuff. And you've been selling them. They're in galleries. It's like a huge thing. And you did do a painting of me. You did do a painting of Nellie in the wheelchair with Laura, which got bought like immediately. I didn't even get a crack. It was like, like that. It's all. 
I wish I could show it to you. So it's Laura, and you can't see Laura's face, but she's going to push Nellie, and you can tell it's by a cliff. And it's Nellie's in the blue flying. dress and everything, the chair. And yeah. it's re- it was really during the heaviest part of the pandemic when I felt like, oh, my God. Like, you know, remember when 9-11 happened and we're like, oh, now the Pentagon's hit. Now this is hit. Now, you know, and you feel like, okay, thought the end of the world was coming. Here it is. And so with the pandemic, I felt the same way. I was like, here comes the end of the world. And so I just, the image that came into my mind was even Nellie Olson, as rotten as she was. Just was going like saying to Laura in the painting. That's what I wanted the painting to say. Just push me already. <laughs> you know, just get me over this fucking cliff. That's why it's called Nellie Gives Up. Nellie Gives Up. And it is it's the look of resignation, the look of resignation. There's actually a picture that exists from the show of you. With this very not give up look on your face, like, but it's such a you had such an oh, you still do, but I'm saying on television as a child, you had this look on your face where you could look and it was the most serious look, it was the <laughs> deepest look. And that was that moment with Laura had her head down and she was pushing you, and you could see, didn't she push you down a hill or something? On she your did. It was right next to the mill and went right down the hill into the pond, the bottom of the mill, the filthy, that's, dirty, disgusting pond. Fair enough. Yes. That like that. Yes. Yeah, that's the picture. Because, of course, you weren't here to model for it. So I had to use a picture. It was very, it didn't know it was stunning. And I have the Betty Davis. And, the, and you recently did one of the, the cows in Boston. They do that parade of cows. Mm-hmm. You yeah. did a cow. Dana Farber, uh, uh, Jimmy Fund. And so they asked me to do a cow. The cows are life size and you can paint anything on on them that you want. And since it was children for with for children with cancer, I thought about it. I was like, you know, they must get a million flowers, you know, like what else can you do while you're hoping and praying that they, their kid's going to be okay and they're going to make it and stuff. So I just wanted, I just kept thinking a million flowers, a million flowers. And will the flowers be effectual like will is it effectual to give people flowers is it just a, a, an outdated custom is it something that brings hope and, and you know there's questions in there so i just kept thinking so i painted a million flowers on the cow <laughs> but it's sold. sold but it's all much money and that made, uh 25 i think thousand bucks for jimmy fun not bad no that's huge i mean but you now, you've now, been, you've now been studying art. I mean, before they said you were this, you know, mad kid off the farm who started this whole thing. But now you've you've been to Italy, you've been studying art, and and you've become Florence like this Academy. real painter person. Mm-hmm. Florence Academy of Fine Arts, beautiful place, um, just great. And I mean, I love living in Florence. Oh my God, I wish I could show you my apartment that I'm living in Florence next year. It's, oh, you won't believe it. You have to come over. You have to come over. I'm telling I have to come you. over to Florence. I have room for you. I have, a, I have an extra room. It's oh my in an God. old mansion, Allison. It's in an old mansion and nothing has changed since like 1880 or something like i mean it looks like there's no modernism in it whatsoever of course it's got running water and all those things has all the things but the ceilings are all painted they're actually hand-painted ceilings and the furniture is antique and it's all and it was not expensive but i'm not going to tell people about this too much because then everyone's all you get it and then it won't be available to me no no don't tell it i'll tell you I'll tell you. No, you're, 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 don't, do you still, the place I saw in P Town that was built in the 1700s? Are you still yeah. living in that? You I'll be dying that? in this house. That's the house I'm in right now, Toots. 1700. Yeah. And the ceilings were low because people were tiny in the 1700s, and you are not. No, I'm not so tiny. But, you know, I think they say you shrink as you get older. So I'm hoping it'll all work out. You're like, what? <laughs> oh, God. You know, in the way to the bathroom, there's a little sign that says head. And, you know, people call the bathroom, I have to go to the head, which is the bathroom, in, I guess, in naval terms. But I put it up there to remind me, don't bang your head. Now, you've also done, you did regular, like, quote, legit theater in Boston. I remember a while back, years ago, when I was down there, what you did, Turn of the Screw. You've done, like, regular theater in town. 
which yeah, freaked I mean, people out because they're like, wait, isn't he the crazy guy from Yes, but watch him do this. Well, once I got a name, then people would hire me for these things, but they don't they don't pay that well, you know, that kind of theater. Uh, it's better for me just to do my own stuff because I get, you know, I just, it's easier. It's easier just for me to run the whole thing because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> just then you're running the whole thing and it's more fun. What yeah. What are the upcoming shows? What I'm terrified uh, to ask. Doing, what do you have um, next? Um, Ro the Rocky Menorah Christmas show. <laughs> and so... Because, you know, all my Jewish friends, it's like, I do Christmas show after Christmas show. I'm like, you do you've done, you've done what, Mrs. Grinchley? Mrs. Grinchley was, yes. Yeah, yeah. But they don't get to have, you know, the fun. So, um, anyway, I will tell you the plot as long as no one shares it. But anyway, um, so you know how the... <laughs> tell me the plot, no one shares it, and you're live. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I know, but you know, you know. Anyway, I, I have to tell you because it's okay. so funny. You know Marjorie Taylor Greene and all like the Jewish space. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Awesome. So she's got, you know how they have those laser guns at the end? Well, those are the Jewish space lasers. The yeah. Jewish space, of course, the Jewish space and, lasers. And, and, and Riff Rap have. But Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, is the villain in the show. And she's like convinced them, but they don't, they don't realize they've been convinced. Of course, they turn on her. Don't worry. Marjorie Taylor Greene gets hers. Well, first, in the beginning of the show, we realized that her husband gave her a can grenade for Christmas and blew half her face off. So she's already like, you know, you know, like those Batman <laughs> villains that go crazy once her face goes off, you know. So that's what's happening with Marjorie Taylor Greene. But believe me, she gets hers. This is like a typical show for those of you not seen a Riley Landry show. This is a totally normal, like, like, plot. Brad and Jenner like, uh, Elves. Yeah, Brad and Jenner are elves. Brad and, and Jenner are elves. Okay. Dr. Scott is Santa Claus, of course, you know. And uh, Eddie is Rudolph. So, like, you know, uh, Mrs. Grinchley, who plays the Frankenfurter role, has to kill Rudolph, uh, just like Frankenfurter killed Eddie. And then they have a venison for dinner. It's a, it's, 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 it all makes sense once you see it. It will you know? all make sense. Now, I saw you working on a Christmas show one year. You were getting ready to do a Christmas show and you were on, on that, on the bed, on the bed with all the stuff and the dogs and, and notebooks and pens and things happening. And you were planning a Christmas show and you were watching. You had all these like DVDs of every, I mean, every version of the the um christmas carol ever you had you had the 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 cartoon the several different cartoon ones you had the mr magoo cartoon magoo. one you had the 1930s one the 1950s one a recent like a tv movie one you had every single some version really going bad ones too you know what's good the, um susan lucci where she plays scrooge and there's one that Suzanne Plachette plays Leona Helmsley. <laughs> plays Leona Helmsley. And, oh no, sorry. Susan Lucci plays a Leona Helmsley type character type in A Christmas Carol, and she owns a department store. And that's actually, yeah, that. I'm going to have to look. He had stacks and stacks, and you had all, of them, and you were watching all of them, and then writing things, and then falling asleep and waking up, and there's like, and it was like I came back to the house. It was the middle of the night. The TV's going, and there's still another version. And where were you, young on. lady? Where were you? Why would you come I, back? In the I, middle I, of the I was coming back at two o'clock in the morning back to your house, and you were like, "Where have you been?" Uh, <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my God!" When you do these things, and you, you know, some people say, "Well, we're doing a, you know, a parody. We're doing a thing, Rocky Horror, ha ha ha, or whatever, Christmas." But you will research and draw from like every single thing to do with that going back for 5,000 years. Oh, yeah, you have to. Because then otherwise you're just copying somebody else's stuff. But if you see, I believe in the great junk pile of creativity. And I feel just like um, plastic razor blades and all these things that there's so much beautiful art and stuff not that plastic razor blades are beautiful art but just stay with me that people just throw things on the junk pile and we can just take them and rearrange them and make them something brand new of all these wonderful ideas and visions and thoughts and memories and and, and uh shocks and uh and heartwarming moments they all can come together to 
because we are built from popular culture at this point in our lives. You know, we're not it's really all the things we grew up on and watched. They're all in our head and they all sort of like, so they it's almost like in a dream state. They all start mixing and melding when we're asleep. And this is like what comes out. Right. Now, see, we were just, this comes full circle of what we were talking about at the beginning about the fact that people, when they read books, it was a different way of thinking, but they did the same thing. I mean, uh, many poems are based on old po other poems where they're taken from different poets and they're, you know, I mean, Charles Ludlam, again, someone we just already mentioned, he would take a bunch of words, he would write a bunch of words out, he'd put the dictionary, put them in a hat and throw it in the air and then pick them up and he would write a play from meaning, you know, catnip, next one, garbage disposal, next one, you know, President Kennedy, you know, and, and because why? Because to free the mind. Because when you get too into wanting to please people, you tend to go with total formula and all creativity bleeds out of it. And it becomes, what do you call it when there's no blood in it? You go, uh, There's a word there. I call myself a writer. Blood, there's a bloodless, word. Lifeless. Yes. It's, it's bloodless. You know, it's dead. blood. But you may miss the mark by by picking and choosing these things and putting them together in an awkward manner and then sticking to that. But you will be taken on a journey trying to connect cantaloupe with President Kennedy, with garbage disposal, with, you know what I mean? You'll be taken on a journey trying to put it together and that journey will become the story. And then those things may not stay in the script, the final script, what they did, they, they provided a, a framework uh, of abstraction that you then have to bring to some sort of sense sorry uh, we'll be right back after these messages <laughs> that's it that's the thing and that's why i was fascinated with the process he didn't just say oh well we're gonna do christmas carol it's like he's watching all of them in little tiny things that we may not have even noticed when we watch that version but it resonated somehow and then they all wind up in the final thing yeah yeah, so they're pulled from the pile and then they're dusted. You blow the dust off. It's like a glass menagerie. You know, you you just take these little moments and you put them on a beautiful shelf, hand handmade, I hope. And you put them on, you dust them off, you shine them up and you stare at them. And before long, those horses will move or those, you know, the giraffe will turn his neck and look at you and i'm not talking about like uh, uh this is an acid trip i'm talking about the human imagination which is far that more vast than most people allow themselves to experience true so now the only thing you haven't done as you said is film and now you'd like well, to like make them make movies i would like to make one movie one i have some money put aside for it and i mean it's not going to be an expensive movie but i have enough to make you know, the way they're making movies today on their iPhones, I'm sure I could, you know, but I don't want to do it crappy. You know, I need somebody who's professional. But yeah, I want to do that because I know nothing about the film thing. I bet I know would know how to edit it moment by moment because I'm such a, a film freak and I watch editing and how it's done. But I but I've never physically done it. But all like, the but you started a lot of things where you didn't know about it before, and then you did it, and look where we all are now. I know, but, but you know that's why I don't like uh, videos. I won't allow my shows to be videoed. I'm sure they're they're out there, but they they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. And the reason is because unless you've got three cameras and you've got like total sound set up, it's not going to just not going to fly. It's not going to sound good. It's not going to feel that that's live theater can't die. We just have to be more inventive right and it's not the same people say well i just want to watch a video of the play no no actually you don't no you don't you want to be there and you want to get hit in the head with a locomotive train a locomotive to come off the track and smack you in the face smack oh my god that but of course then that woman could tell all her friends i went to the show and i got hit by a train afterwards she even bought a t-shirt of course <laughs> i went to the show and got hit by a train should have been <laughs> <laughs> can you believe i didn't I, give it to her for free i would think you would have given her like a piece of the train at least one of the cars to take home so i needed it for the show 
So what, what is, what is, where do people find you? What is next? What is the next thing happening? And where do people uh, find you? They look for you, online. you have to get your tickets early. We sell out every week. Space Pussy's playing August 30th in town. And then Halloween. Um, it's huge. I'm going to New York. I'm playing in New York on the 20th for a show called Rotten, Rotten, Rotten. And oh, it's wait, all- that's this month. Rotten, Rotten, Rotten? It's July this 20th. Month. Great, and great, it's great. All, it's all performers like Jackie Hoffman. You know who Jackie Hoffman is. She's, she's been in a million things um, in Broadway and stuff. Anyway, a uh, bunch of us are getting together and we're doing our biggest bombs. So just like what is happening here, they start saying, all right, now, where did you first do this number? I first did it at the Ladies Auxiliary Meeting in Wichita, Kansas in 1998. And did you, and, and I understand that you failed. Yes, I failed miserably. And I would like to give you the, and then you do the number. And then after the number, they go, do you think you failed as miserably tonight as you did the first time you did this number? So it's all like, this is the worst thing I did. And we're going to like, see if we can't do it, try it again. Oh my God. Well, I, think, I think it's hilarious because I the audience, so- the audience is going to be like, you know, booing and hissing and you're going to be laughing. Cause see when that's the thing that so many performers should be able to do is to, to laugh at themselves a little bit more. I know you and I can do that, but you know, there's a lot of people that take themselves way too seriously in show business. You know, this. Uh, hello. So Rotten, 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 and then Space Pussy's coming up, and then, of course, the Christmas show, which the Hanukkah show this year, the Hanukkah show this year. Very excited. Uh, you have a website, the one Ryan Landry is Ryan Landry. RyanLandryFactory.com. Uh, Factory, like Andy Warhol, Ryan Landry Factory. And they can buy your painting. They can buy paintings and buy they things. Everything oh. is sold, but everything is sold, but I'm going to be putting some new ones up soon. Okay, but, and you have pillows and T-shirts and stuff. They can get to some of the some of the they, paintings. Yeah, they the- can connect to the merch, and they can get bags and slippers and bathrobes and condoms and you know uh, Q-tips and whatever they need. Suave lotion. I don't care what they need; they can get it. <laughs> thank you, for, thank you for coming on my show. And because I just thought, no, people don't know. They have to. They have to see Ryan. I hope someone watches this and calls you up and says, "Let's make a movie," or "Let's at least make a documentary of your life." Something. Oh God. And um, please, everyone, go see a Ryan Landry show and try not to get hit in the face with a tray. Yes, please don't. And thank you so much, sweetheart, for having me. I love you so much. I love and don't you. Don't forget to tell them about our wonderful Christmas tradition. Yes. You always send me a can of cheese. I send you cheese. You send me, beginning of December, late November, a picture of you with the empty can holding a fork and crying. You send me a picture with a fork crying with the empty can. I send you, and then you send me these incredible, you sent me a chicken pot pie. You sent me a collection of gourmet beans. You've sent me- A dog made of flowers. Amazing things like you've sent me the most gorgeous stuff. Thank you. And Christmas, we will do this all again. We will get you more cheese. All right. Thank you. Bye, Mr. Tony. This is Brian Landry, and I'm Allison Argrim, and this is the Allison Argrim Show.